Welcome to the Gospel-Centered Pro-Life Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about five pro-choice arguments and how to counter those arguments. Please stay with us as we talk through these important issues. We hope you're blessed as you listen. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro Life Podcast. Um, I have today, as I often do, um, Vicky here. Vicky Kasiorg is the um, volunteer coordinator with Cities for Life, and uh, my name is Daniel Parks. If you don't already know, I'm the executive director of Cities for Life here in Charlotte. We're a sidewalk counseling ministry, but we started this podcast to encourage folks with, you know, a gospel-centered approach to not just sidewalk counseling, but to pro-life ministry, to pro-life thought. To understand that our thinking about abortion needs to really be thought through in light of the gospel. Yes. And in this episode, we're going to talk about five pro-choice arguments and how to counter those pro-choice arguments. These are mm-hmm. arguments that we hear from pro-choice activists. They're arguments that you see on social media. Right. They're arguments that we hear sometimes from abortion-minded women at the abortion center and, and just in interactions. These are some of the arguments that come out. This is not an exhaustive list. This is just mm-hmm. five of those uh, pro-choice arguments. But these, you know, countering these arguments, I think, is important. And they're not really um, too deep. (laughs) They're not very deep thoughts, typically. But they do sometimes cause us to pause and think, oh, yeah, what about that? What about this? Especially when we get into some of the the biblical arguments. You know, it's funny that we hear from from pro-choice people that you need to, you know, the Bible really has no validity. And in that first point we're going to deal with, talk a little bit about that. But it's funny how you know, the Bible, Bible really has no validity to life, according to some of these folks. But the Bible says this, or the Bible doesn't say that. So jump right into that that first uh, objection or first right. argument that, that sure. choice people sure. give. Okay, so, so I want to preface all of this with um, whenever I'm encountering um, these pro, um, so-called pro-choice objections, um, sometimes they have some sort of a faith, but most of the time they do not. Oftentimes they do not. And, and so I think it's always good to consider all of this in terms of not only biblical, of course biblical is most important um, to us as a gospel-centered pro-life ministry, but, um, but also can you argue, argue um, for using science, secular facts? And I think you can. The Bible supports. The Bible is the author of science. You know, yeah. Science just reflects the, how the world works, which God created this this world. Yeah. So, um, so I I try to do that whenever I um, address any of these any of these issues. So, our first question, um, we'll hear this all the time. The Bible doesn't mention abortion even once. Yeah, and this again, this is from people who don't believe the Bible, right? And don't think the Bible has any validity to to, to human existence, and yet they say. The Bible doesn't mention abortion even once. And, you know, of course, what they're trying to do is they're trying to take, you know, the book that you believe in, that you try to use to to fight against abortion, actually doesn't even mention abortion even once. Right, right. And, you know, that's sort of like one of those questions where you're, you're right. The word abortion is not in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, but the principle and God being against uh, abortion is in the Bible because you know, from our perspective and from a biblical perspective, human beings have an intrinsic value. Human beings are made in the image of God, and it's wrong from 
Old to New Testament, mm-hmm. it's wrong to destroy an innocent human life, right? right. God is against it. It's a, the sixth command. So though the Bible doesn't directly say, thou shalt not have an abortion, mm-hmm. it does say the sixth command in Exodus chapter 20, thou shalt not kill or thou shalt not murder. Right. Right. So it does mention abortion. Right. right. And there's no exceptions on thou shalt not murder. It doesn't say thou shalt not murder unless it's unborn human life or thou shalt not murder unless you're in really dire circumstances yeah. or thou shalt not murder unless you're um you know uh wealthy and can drive a mercedes so yeah the unborn life is still human life yeah and valuable before god yeah. right yeah, right absolutely right so how about this one because because this one um this this part of of abortion being mentioned then they turn around, like you said, the the pro-choice people, and say, "Well, what about this passage that mm-hmm. that does mention abortion?" And um, they and they say it it paints God as causing an abortion. So so that's in Exodus twenty one, okay, um, verses twenty two to twenty five. Are you are you turned there, or I I can read it, but if if you wanted, yeah, to... yeah, I'll turn there. And this okay, is actually so... actually this passage is not. Um, you're maybe thinking about the Numbers passage, which okay. is Numbers chapter five, right, which we'll get right. to in just a minute. Okay, you're right. But yeah. this passage is, has to do with you know two if two men are fighting together, mm-hmm. and you know there's sort of like we don't really kind of grasp why this is mentioned just like this. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there was something going on where God through Moses mentions this scenario if two men are striving together, and I think I know the point here. And some pro-abortion people will use it as a point to say abortion's okay with God because, you know, basically it says if two men fight together, and this is in verse 22 Mm -hmm. of um, Exodus chapter 21, if men fight together and hurt a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet no harm follows, he shall surely be punished according to the woman's husband or what the woman's husband imposes on him, and he shall pay as the judge as the judges determined. So if men fighting together, like they're, they're battle, mm-hmm. they're, they're fighting each other. They're, you know, angry with each other for whatever reason. And they hit a pregnant woman. And obviously if they hit a pregnant woman, there's harm to her. So what a okay. pro-abortion pe- person will say, well, it's talking about if there's any harm to her. Well, it's implied that there's going to be harm to her. The harm that it's talking about later on, as it goes on to say, but if harm follows, then you shall give life for life. Mm-hmm. The harm that follows is this, if she is, if she gives birth prematurely because of this scuffle between these two men and they, they hit her and the baby's okay, then he's just going to have to pay according to what the husband. But if there is harm, which if the baby dies, then he will give life for life. Right. So right. rather than it being that God's okay with a premature birth here and potentially, you know, an induced abortion from two men fighting together and mm-hmm. hitting a pregnant woman. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually establishing the value of that unborn life, that that is a life for life. If that baby dies, then that guy who perpetrated that, that crime is going to lose his life as well. That's right. So that interpretation obviously counters what the pro-choice people are saying because in the, they are saying that if she gives birth prematurely, but there is no serious injury that it is talking about the woman, that there's no serious injury to the woman, but mm-hmm. that the baby they're assuming has died. Yeah. doesn't say that. Yeah, and there are that babies that are born prematurely that live. But the next verse, and so they're saying, and then in the next, the next portion of the verse when it says that um, if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life. And they're saying, but that applies to the woman. Well, 
No, to me, that is indirect, directly saying there is serious injury to the baby. Not only is it born prematurely, but it's, there's serious injury. Yeah. And it sounds like death because then it says, then you are to take life for life. So the, the, what I've heard the pro-choice people say is in, in that, that, that this shows that, that the baby is just um, uh, property. Yeah. And so there can be a fine paid if the baby dies. But I don't think that's what that's what these verses are saying, and that's what that's what you find yeah, to be true. Yeah, also. I think rather than saying that God is okay with an abortion in this situation, yeah, actually the opposite exactly is is being conveyed here that if she gives birth prematurely and the baby's okay, then they're going to pay a fine. Yeah, if she gives birth prematurely and the baby dies, then it's going to be the death penalty for the person who who effectively caused this. Correct. Uh, this baby. Correct. Die. So here is something that that when I first heard this, it kind of took me aback, and mm-hmm. I didn't quite know how to deal with it. And and now I, you know, upon further study, well, no, this is actually supports a pro-life position. Yeah. So. And it's um, not just you know, my opinion, your opinion. If you right. read commentaries about this passage of scripture, mm-hmm. it's, you know, if they're commentaries that are that are seasoned by you know, leftist political persuasions, they'll try to add anything in there. But the vast majority of, of commentaries about this particular passage are going to say just what, what we're saying. Right, right. Um, and even those who might have a, an agenda to think abortion is okay uh, would, would have a hard time doing some sort of hermeneutical backflips in order to make that imply that oh, God's okay with an abortion, the baby's just property. Right, right, exactly. Okay, and so the the next one, which is the one I thought I was giving you, the first one. So that that's the um, the one from uh, from Numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, Numbers okay. chapter five. So, yeah, I've heard this a lot from from pro choice people. Again, people who are saying, you know, the Bible really has no validity to life. Why you you know, one pro choice lady told me the other day, the problem is with that book. She points at my Bible. That book. That's your problem because you cling to that thing, mm-hmm. and yet she. And some of the other pro-abortion people have brought the passage, this passage, from that book. Exactly. <laughs> about why, you know, you shouldn't be incur- you shouldn't be uh, against abortion. Actually, God not only is okay with it, he actually induces an abortion right, right. in Numbers chapter 5. Right, that's, five. What, that's what they claim. <laughs> that, right. That's and, what they claim. And when I first read it, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, uh, True Confessions, I was, mm-hmm. I was reading NIV translation. And if you read the NIV translation... They they actually have a point, but I know you have done some further research in that. So why don't you maybe read us this passage and tell us what? what yeah, you so discovered. I'll give you the scenario rather than reading through the whole okay. thing. Mm-hmm. I'll give you sort of the the scenario, and people can read this themselves. Sure. Uh, Numbers chapter five, verses eleven through thirty-one. Uh, thirty-one. Mm-hmm. Eleven through thirty-one. Um, the basically the scenario is this: a man suspects that his wife has committed adultery, mm-hmm. and so he's to bring his wife before the priest. Right. All right. So he brings his wife before the priest, and it says the priest actually will take, in verse 17, the priest shall take holy water in an earthen vessel and take some dust from the floor of the tabernacle mm-hmm. and put it into the water. So the picture here is, you know, the tabernacle is the holy place. Mm-hmm. There's the holiest of holies, which is where the, um, where the Ark of the Covenant dwells, and the priest can only enter in once a year. Right. But this place, still, the tabernacle is a holy place, so you have this holy water that's there, and you have this holy dust. You know, it sort of looks back to the picture of Moses. Take your sandals off, because the ground on which you stand is holy ground. So this holy ground that this priest is putting in this chalice of water and to give to this woman, and this, from some pro-abortion people, they think this is sort of like 
the abortion medication, like the abortion right. pill of Moses' day, right? Mm-hmm. That God somehow, through the dust and the water, in, induces an abortion. And here's what it says, um, just kind of skimming on down. He's, he says, And may this water that causes the curse to go in, this is verse 22, to go in your stomach, make your belly swell and your thigh rot. Then the woman shall say, Amen, so be it. And, and so basically... If she drinks this water, this this water with the dust in it, mm-hmm. and she is guilty of adultery like her husband suspects, mm-hmm. then her belly will swell and her thigh will rot. Mm-hmm. Now, That's determined by God, right? This is how God said that this was to be determined yeah, in these verses, correct? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this is sort of, this is God's prescription. Right. And and this is a, an issue if the husband thinks his wife has been in an adulterous affair, takes her before the priest, dust and water, she drinks it. And then if she is guilty, mm-hmm. then her, her belly will swell and her thigh will rot. Mm-hmm. Um, I've read this passage in several different translations because I'd, I'd never heard this argument before until, you know, probably four or five years ago I heard this yeah. argument. Yeah. And, you know, I looked into it and I'm like, I just don't see what you're talking about. And then... You know, you read it in the NIV translation. Mm-hmm. The NIV, tra- NIV, as far as I'm, I'm aware of, is the only translation that mentions anything about reproduction, miscarriage, or anything like that. And okay. it says that she will have a miscarriage rather than her belly will swell and her thigh will rot. Mm-hmm. She'll have a miscarriage. Correct. Um, and, you know, I talked to, actually sent a, an email to Dr. Michael Brown, mm-hmm. who does AskDrBrown.org, who's a Hebrew scholar. Mm-hmm. And I sent an email to their team and just said, hey, listen, I know that this is not talking about an abortion I've studied this thing out, but I'm not a Hebrew scholar. Is there any language in here that says anything, implies anything about a God-induced abortion? Mm-hmm. And the response was no. This, it's not talking about abortion at all. It's talking about a judgment. It says her belly will swell and her thigh will rot. This is a judgment that's going to come upon her. Right. But what's interesting is in, in kind of a, a, another perspective that they brought out from, from Dr. Michael Brown was and I think he has an article on his website even about this this passage and there's a lot of articles out there about mm-hmm. this passage mm-hmm. from uh, from Hebrew scholars and whatnot is that even if it is a, so, a quote God induced abortion right it's not and the language is not there you yeah. have to make it say what you want it to say mm-hmm. if you're going to inject that into the passage and why the NIV translators did that I have no idea right. but they did yeah um, but basically even if it did speak of abortion, it's in the context of a curse. Like, this would be a curse to her, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. To lose her child through an abortion. It wasn't a good so, thing. Yeah, it's not it like a good thing. It wasn't to preserve her life the way she wanted yeah, yeah. to be Anything be like that. It, it's it's right. a curse. It's a judgment on right. her. Right. Because, you know, in this day, uh, in Moses' day, children, unlike today for a lot of people, were seen as a blessing. So right. to lose your child yeah. actually would be a curse. Right. <laughs> um, we Psalm 127, children are a blessing from the Lord. So, mm-hmm. you know, I just say that to say in our day and age, it might be seen as a blessing that she had some kind of God-induced abortion yeah. because we have an upside-down way of thinking. Exactly. It would be one of the worst things. You know, you look mm-hmm. at women in the Old Testament would cry out to God, kill me if I can't have any children. Yeah. You know, that would be so so heavy on them to not be able to have children. Right. Um, but, any, you know, just, just in a, in a brush-through sort of reading of this, there's nothing about a God-induced abortion here. Um, I think more than anything, it can be to validate a woman whose jealous husband thinks that she is committing adultery mm-hmm. and, and you know, giving her sort of like a, a covering from the Lord. Like, she's not guilty of this thing because right. this is not what, what happened to her. Right. She shall be free. She's free from her husband's uh, jealousy in that sense. Right, 
Right. So, um, you know, bottom line, um, there are also so many verses that talk about the value, like, like you mentioned, ba children are a blessing and the value of the unborn baby. And, and so while God may not specifically, the Bible doesn't use the word abortion, and as we've shown in these two cases where people have said pro-choice people, well, here are descriptions of, of abortions when indeed they are not, but... Um, you know, but the Bible is filled with God's love of the unborn yeah. and, and the tender language he uses in, in like Psalm 139, mm -hmm. 9, um, verses 13 to 16, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in that secret place when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. It's like poetry to the unborn. Yeah. God has so, you know, gently and lovingly knitted together that, that child. So, um, and certainly calls it a baby. Um, so, uh, so bottom line, number one, the Bible doesn't mention abortion even once. Yeah. It, it tells us the we concepts have, we have necessary. The yeah. We have yeah. the principles. Well, to you know, that. just to, you know, before we move on to that next, uh, pro-choice argument, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of things the Bible doesn't directly mention. Good point. I mean, yeah. the Bible doesn't directly mention pedophilia. Correct. Yeah. Would anybody argue that, that God's okay with pedophilia yeah. because God never mentions it? I mean, yeah. certainly the principles are there mm -hmm. that this is wrong and sinful in the sight of God. Yes. <laughs> the, the Bible doesn't mention smoke and crack. Right. Right? <laughs> I don't think anyone would argue biblical or otherwise that God's okay with people smoking crack, right? There's certain right. principles there. Your body yeah. is a temple of the Correct. Lord, yeah. those sort of things. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that the Bible doesn't directly mention. That doesn't therefore give God's okay and thumbs up to your behavior just because you know the Bible doesn't mention it. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, it's just a, it's a it's a tactic, it's a maneuver for mm -hmm. pro-abortion people to say, well, your book doesn't mention the thing that you're so strongly against. Mm -hmm. um, and, it, you know, if you read church history, although church history is not our standard, mm -hmm. our standard is the Bible, right. but you see men and women throughout church history and their writings, certainly very early in church history. The Didache is a writing that's a compilation of some of the apostles' teaching, and it directly mentions abortion mm -hmm. as abhorrent to God. Mm -hmm. It's something that... that shouldn't be involved in. If you mm -hmm. read your early church history, you see abortion and infanticide are, are, are two things that, that are tied together yeah. that are abhorrent to the church. The church has always opposed, and, uh, and those who belong to God should always oppose these things because they're the devaluing of human life. Right. They're the devaluing of, of this, this creature that God has made in His own image. Mm -hmm. Human beings are the only creature that God made in His own image. So, Right. Yeah. Okay. So number two, hear this again all the time. The baby is not a baby till it takes its first breath. Yeah. So, um, so, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to let you talk from the biblical perspective. I'm going to give a secular perspective yeah. that I, I just read and I, and I found it just, I, I had known this about the American college of pediatrics, not a religious group. They're a secular group doctors who who work with babies and, yeah. and children and um 
The, the name of this article is Statement Life Issues When Human Life Begins. Yeah. And it, it's published by the American College of Pediatrics. And so the abstract says, I'm going to read it to you because I think it is really important. Okay, it's a, the abstract of this, of this article. The predominance of human biological research confirms that human life begins at conception, fertilization. At fertilization, the human being emerges as a whole, genetically distinct, individuated, zygotic, living human organism, a member of the species Homo sapiens, needing only the proper environment in order to grow and develop. The difference between the individual in its adult stage and in its zygotic stage is one of form, not nature. Never changes. Never changes from non-human to human. Always human. This statement focuses on the scientific evidence of when an individual life, human life, <coughs> excuse me, begins. Um, and then later on, um, uh, the... Their, their conclusion at the end of the abstract is that the college, the American College of Pediatrics, therefore opposes active measures that would prematurely end the life of any child at any stage of development from conception to natural death. And they, there was one other statement that I thought was really a, a, another really important one. Nonetheless, one could sensibly make the case that personhood can only exist in a living human being and that the division of these two entities is arbitrary at best because we hear this all the time. We can, we can bring logically, as American College of Pediatrics did, we can bring people logically from the idea that, okay, even from the moment of conception, what is growing in the womb, I'll give you it's a human being, but it's not a person. You've heard that, right? Oh, yeah. I've heard it all the time. It's personhood is the big deal. But um, the American College of Pediatrics, scientists who um, are not religious, I mean, they may be, but they're not a religious organization. And they say that that distinction between admitting it's a living human being and that it's a person is an arbitrary distinction. Yeah. It's not one drawn in fact or science. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and you know, this, this personhood itself is not a scientific statement. It's a philosophical right. statement. Yeah. So to, yeah. to argue that, you know, personhood happens at, at some point uh, because science says so is an absurdity. Like science can't do certain things. It can't tell us when a, when a, when a human being becomes a person. Right. right, and if it tries to, it steps outside of its boundary. Yeah, you know, and this this sort of question, which I've heard, and it sort of takes different forms, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe it takes a form of, you know, it's not a baby, or it's not a human being, it's not a life valuable enough to protect until it takes its first breath, or mm -hmm. you know, there was a video um, by a pro life lady in Canada uh, who. Um, I forget her name. She's on Facebook. Who had this video of the magic birth canal? Oh yeah, that was funny. <laughs> yeah, it's like the birth canal somehow has this magic power uh -huh. to induce personhood mm. to an individual, uh -huh. and it's an absurdity, right? It is because at what point? I mean, you just logically say, okay, at which point in that progression did it suddenly morph from human to non-human, person to non-person? Yeah. Or not person to person. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sort of ridiculous. And this whole notion that you know, when it takes its first breath and when people use that argument, especially, yeah. you know, pro pro choice people who have really no faith in God mm -hmm. use that. It's sort of a, a mechanism to use your book against you mm -hmm. 
to say, yep. you know, the Bible actually teaches that it's not a person until it takes its first breath. Mm-hmm. And sort of where they get that principle. And I've actually heard Christians, um, at least people who claim to be Christians, use that as almost a, 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 a way to get out of addressing this issue, which is the moral issue of our day, abortion. Right. Where they'll say, well, you know, the Bible tells us that it actually doesn't become a person or a valuable individual until it takes its first breath. And they get mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Um, uh, maybe from some other passages, but probably more than anything from this passage in Genesis chapter 2, very early along in the Bible, okay. where it says in verse 7 of Genesis chapter 2, And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So the implication is he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, therefore the man became a living being. Right. And that's okay. that's sort of where they get it. So until it gets a breath of life... Mm-hmm. It's not a living being, which is not what this passage is talking about. Mm-hmm. It's an absurdity to imagine that a baby in the womb is not a living being. Mm-hmm. It is a living being. Of course it is, mm-hmm. right? Even, again, pro-choice people in this day and age w- would not argue, is it alive? Yes, it's alive. It's just not a life that's valuable enough to protect. Right. And I've yeah. heard this, this argument of ensoulment. It's not mm. a life until it gets a soul. Mm. When does it get a soul? It gets a soul, some people say, when it gets its first breath of air. Mm-hmm. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible no. doesn't say that. What, what we see is this sort of overarching principle in the Scripture that God loves and knows us while we're still in our mother's womb. That's correct. Yeah, and so that's that's right. sort of the, the overarching principle we see through the whole Old Testament and the New Testament that God knows us and loves us even while we're in the womb and that there's not some magical thing that takes place when we enter out of the womb we <gasps> breathe in some air that gives us personhood, right? Right. right. And so that you know that that argument again is is, is sort of bunk, it, it, but it does take different forms. It the, does the breath thing, the birth canal thing, the disconnection between the mother and the child. You know, so it's like okay, because that baby is attached to the mother mm-hmm. through you know through her uterine wall, the placenta is mm-hmm. attached there, and then through the umbilical cord. That therefore she can do what she wants to. Mm-hmm. So then a baby can be born. I mean, is that what you're saying? A baby can be born, still attached to the umbilical cord, mm-hmm. and then we can kill it. Mm-hmm. As long as we don't cut that cord, we're good to go. And there are some people that say, <laughs> "Yeah, that, that which is, is an absolutely fine. It right? is the slippery slope that it yeah. that it, it goes down." But slippery slopes, yeah. no, they don't exist. That's, uh, that's yeah, the that. mentality, right? <laughs> you you always talk about these slippery slopes, and this could happen, and that could happen. It's like, yeah. well, we talk about that. Because it actually does happen. Mm-hmm. Like the whole slippery slope of, yeah. you know, when we talk about euthanasia and mm-hmm. assisted suicide. Mm-hmm. And people say, yeah, people should be willing or people should be able to uh, to choose to, to have a doctor put them to death, to mm-hmm. have them euthanized if they have, you know, issues with dementia mm-hmm. or if they have issues with whatever. And, and then this story um, that I'd shared with you a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. yesterday, I believe, mm-hmm. was about a young lady. I think she's 21, 22 years old, yeah. who had you know some trauma and something was done to her in the past. And she carried that trauma with her and she went to her psychiatrist and the psychiatrist ha- tried to help her, tried to help her, could not help her, basically told her, hey, listen, there's no hope for you. I think this story played out in, in the Netherlands, mm-hmm. which is no surprise, right? Right. Um, there's really no hope for you. The best thing you can do is just let us euthanize you. Yeah. And they did. Yeah. For you know this this young lady who had you know her whole life ahead of her, yes yeah. she had some issues going on she had some depression and all that stuff, but the people who were supposed to help her out of that depression basically mm-hmm. tell her you you're better off dead right 
Right. Man, that's a slippery slip and slide, right? We're that's sliding right. so far down that human life doesn't have value. Anymore. Exactly, exactly. And so many of the ills that we face now today as a society are because of that devaluation of human life. The school yeah. shootings, I think, are, are uh, an example of yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. How can, you, how can we raise our children to believe it's not okay to go off all of your classmates when it's the law of the land that we can kill your siblings as long as they're in the womb? Yeah. So um, the, the Bible does use the same word for baby, whether in the womb or outside of the womb. And I think that's another very compelling um, evidence yeah, that Luke, God... Yeah, in Luke chapter 2 when right, it talks about right. um, John the Baptist in the womb. He mm-hmm. leapt in his mother's womb when, when Mary right. came in with Jesus in her womb. Right. The word child, the child leapt in the womb. Right. Brephos. Uh, Brephos. Brephos. Um, yeah. Is the same word later on in Luke yeah. where Jesus, the born Jesus... Correct. Outside of the womb yeah. is called brephos. Which is baby. baby. Yeah. It means baby. So baby in the womb is the same to God as the baby so outside of the womb. So in the New Testament, God is equating an unborn child with a born child? Yes. Wow, that's not a surprise. No. <laughs> you know, because we see through, again, through this pattern scripture. in the scripture. Absolutely. That God values us in the womb and outside the womb. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jeremiah was appointed as a prophet while yet in the womb. Yeah. Appointed a prophet. Well, is God appointing a non-human? A non-baby? Blob of tissue as a prophet, prophet. yeah. (laughs) Okay, so on to number three, and they all kind of connect. Mm -hmm. There's very similar um, arguments behind all these issues, but this one, of course, is the rallying cry for for the pro-choice movement. Yeah, sure. My body, body, my my choice. choice. My body, my choice. Yeah, I mean, that one's sort of, uh, you know, again, in the same line of this, this, sovereignty over your own body and which yeah. we you know we agree with that right i mean if someone goes and has their appendix removed mm-hmm. i'm not going to be standing there telling them don't have your appendix removed <laughs> right. right i don't right. want to have control over their bodies right but where your bodily autonomy ends is where your bodily autonomy and the decisions you make with your body affect other people correct you know the example of course do you have bodily autonomy over your your hand Mm-hmm. Yes, you do. You can, you know, do th- some of the things that you want to with your hand, but there are things you cannot do with your hand That's right. because they violate another person's mm-hmm. right, which is you can't ball your hand in a fist and <laughs> connect with somebody's face, right? That's right. Because your action and your bodily autonomy has now affected another person. Right. In the same way with abortion, your bodily autonomy, when you go into an abortion clinic and you decide you're going to pay someone money to kill the child that's inside of you, that sort of is the threshold, right? You've mm-hmm. you've already went outside of bodily autonomy to violate the bodily autonomy of another person, that baby inside the womb. Right. Yeah. Now, of course, this is built on the premise that the baby inside the womb is you know, just a, 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 an inanimate object. So you see how it all absurd. relates. Yeah. All of these arguments relate, exactly, because they would say, well, this is not another body right but but then of course the logically you know well if it's not another body then the mother has two heads and four arms and four legs no it is another body it is not your body that child is a whole separate body with distinct and separate human dna distinct and separate blood distinct and separate heartbeat and at a different rate the heart is beating about three times two to three times faster than the mom's heart so um so yeah, and and you know, biblically, I love this this verse from First Corinthians six nineteen to twenty. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Yeah. You were brought bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So we, in a sense, we 
even bodily autonomy. Well, honestly, biblically, we are not our own. If yeah. we're in Christ, he bought us. He yeah. paid the penalty that we owed for our sin. And our bodies are now a temple of the Lord to be used by God for a glorious purpose and yeah. for his glory. So, um, okay, so, uh, so uh, and, and one last point on, on my body, my choice. Um, you know, it, it, in your example of, of um, you know, bodily autonomy and they're in, their, in the abortion center and this, this baby is, is, um, is being killed, well, it's legal. And that's the other argument that I've heard. Well, yeah, sure. it's my body. This baby is in my body, and I'm being given legal rights by our country to remove this portion of my body that I don't want. I don't want to be an incubator, I've heard, yeah. for this baby. So um, is it because it's legal? Is is that then would, would God have us um, find that to be morally fine? Right, which is you know, kind of an absurdity, <laughs> right? I mean— just because stuff is legal doesn't mean God is okay with it. Exactly. Doesn't mean that, you know, even if we're thinking it from a secular perspective, there's right. a bunch of stuff that in our history, you know, slavery is one of those things yeah. that was legal. Right. But I don't think we look back at that and say, you know, people should have had a right to do that. Right. Um, why? Um, why would we say that that's wrong? Because it's sort of that bodily autonomy thing, right? Yeah, it Your is. Your right to own another person as property mm-hmm. is not actually a right that, that God gives or that governments should give because you're then affecting the bodily autonomy of, of another person. Right. You know? Yeah. And, you know, the, really the, the, the issue lies in, with pro-choice people, their unwillingness to view the baby in the womb as a human being, mm-hmm. as a life that's valuable enough to protect they can't they can't and allow what they call the woman's right to choose because the woman's right to choose they're saying is to choose abortion and the only way they can support that really i think for them to feel like they are decent human beings is to say it's not human it's not a person yeah so okay anything else on on that one all right let's go on to number four abortion is between a woman and her doctor, it is none of your business. Yeah. Ever hear that one before? I have heard that one, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that's not something that we hear commonly in sidewalk counseling, really. It's not one of the objections that we hear, even from pro-choice people. But, right. you know, as you're talking about the issue of abortion on a national level mm-hmm. and a sort of a political level, yeah. that's what you hear a lot. That's you right. Know, do- um, politicians are terrible doctors. It's some of the signage that yes. you see. Yes, and, you're right. And, uh, and that sort of thing. And, and so it's between a woman and her doctor. Mm-hmm. Now, what's implied with that, I mean, are we talking about it's between a woman and the OB doctor that she sees on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I mean, even that, of course, would be, you know, we're talking about another person that will die if she has an abortion. Right. But really, right. when they say it's between a woman and her doctor, what they mean, it's between the woman who's paying for a, an abortion and the abortionist. Right. Who she sees for like five minutes. Right. Who she's never met. Most of these women going into an abortion clinic. I mean, we, I've had conversations with probably thousands, and I'm sure you've had conversations with you know, thousands or at least hundreds yeah. of women going in. If you ask them, who, so who is your doctor today? Mm-hmm. Who's going to be your abortionist? Mm-hmm. They have no clue. That's right. So how can it be between her and her doctor making this decision whenever she's not even going to even talk to the doctor until she goes, until he walks in the room to do the five-minute abortion procedure or give her the little cup with the pills in it? It's not between her and her doctor. That's, and I've you know, been told by many people leaving 
that um, that have come and talked to us that that doctor, the abortionist, never said a word to them. Yeah. That there was never any discussion. So this decision between the woman and her doctor is non-existent. Yeah. There, it's there not like is no discussion. There. There. No. Yeah. No. Exactly. Um, how about that? Um, it's none of your business. That half of it is yeah. it our business? To... So it's none of your business. Mm-hmm. Which. It's like, okay, it's none of my business, even though innocent people are being killed. Mm -hmm. It's none of my business to intervene. You know, Mm -hmm. somebody commented a couple of days ago on our social media page. We shared a a testimony of a mom that chose life. Mm -hmm. We saw her baby on the ultrasound, chose life for her baby. And this person, this pro-abortion person commented and said, you know, you should leave women alone. Mm -hmm. It's none of your business what they do with their bodies. And my response was, you know, sort of snarky, but it made a point. Like, mm-hmm. okay, if Christians, if we see innocent people being killed, mm-hmm. if we're going to be good followers of Jesus, then we're going to actually go and do something about that. Mm-hmm. If Christians in human history were just to mind our own business, then we wouldn't have the majority of the hospitals that mm-hmm. exist, the yep. majority of the relief organizations that exist. I mean, you think about it. You know, I ask pro-abortion people when they when they bring that up. You guys should mind your own business. You Christians are Christianity has has done so much damage in in mm-hmm. history. I'm like, well, name for me five hospitals mm-hmm. in the United States or in the immediate area. And if they were to name five hospitals, mm-hmm. at least three. Probably all five, but at least three of those hospitals are going to be Christian hospitals. Presbyterian mm-hmm. Hospital, Methodist Hospital, Baptist mm-hmm. Hospital. Right, um, yeah. You know, it's like Christians are not minding their own business. They're actually building hospitals. <laughs> right. Or they're actually, you know, I'll, I'll ask them. I'll say, name for me five relief organizations. Mm-hmm. You know, ministries or organizations that do things to help other people. You know, Red Cross is one that comes to mind, mm-hmm. right? Samaritan's mm-hmm. Purse for me comes to mind. Sure. Uh, Salvation Army comes to mind. World Vision. World yeah. Vision comes yeah. to mind. Compassion International. Right. All these these exactly. groups across the, the, the world even. If you're to name five relief organizations, I bet you the majority of those organizations were started by Christians who didn't mind their own business. Exactly. Right? And I, I think it was Hurricane Katrina. It was one of the big um, hurricanes where the government really blew it. They, mm-hmm. And I, maybe it was Katrina. I don't I remember was, exactly yeah. which one. But but the, the, the government people blows were, it a lot. Well, actually. they did. <laughs> but, but in this one, they really blew it. And there just was not help mm-hmm. except from the Christian. It was the Christian organizations that rushed in to help those victims from that hurricane that saved the day. Yeah. It, minding, not minding. Yeah. Their I mean, basically, business. so when someone tells me, considering, you know, talking about abortion and thinking about abortion, and they say, mind your own business, what they're really saying to me is, turn a blind eye. Yeah. You know, here's, here's a, a group of people whose lives are being destroyed by this thing called abortion. And you don't mean just the babies. Right, yeah, the, the women. women, the, the, the women, grandparents, the The fathers. men whose lives are affected by it. I mean, this thing is like a, a, like a cancer in society. It destroys families. It destroys yeah. marriages. It destroys relationships. Yeah. It, it, it destroys young men and young mm-hmm. women, of course, and it destroys the lives of babies. Right. And it's like, I can't turn a blind eye to that. Like, if mm-hmm. I truly believe that abortion is murder, that it destroys an innocent life, you're asking me pro-abortion person to deny my faith yeah. to to deny what my lord said to do which is to love my neighbor as myself yeah and rescue those being yeah. led away and really to what, you know what people are saying a lot of times and i'll sort of rephrase this to pro-abortion people sometimes i'll be like so what you're saying is rather than carrying through the the convictions that i have myself i should embrace your convictions <laughs> my conviction <laughs> is that the unborn child is a, a life that deserves to be protected right. your conviction is that it's not so what you're saying is I should abandon my convictions 
and I should embrace yours. Mm-hmm. Are you trying to force your morality on me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Are you taking away it, my choice? Are to... <laughs> you taking away my choice to believe how I see fit yeah. from this this book that right. you so vehemently oppose? Right. Like, I, I right. think it's God's word. Am I okay right. to, to think that? Am yeah. I okay to believe that? Less and less well, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, honestly. Uh, honestly, yes. I mean, that's the attack. The attack is on, on the book, on the Bible, right. right? On what God's word says and this unchangeable truth. The foundation that, of everything that we are and believe is 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 being attacked yeah. in our society. Yeah, absolutely. Now. And of course, yeah. along with that comes this value of human life, this mm-hmm. intrinsic value that human beings have above and beyond other creatures. Yeah. It doesn't mean in the sense that, you know, in our because we're so cute and precious or whatever, <laughs> we're somehow better than every other animal. Right. It's not that at all. It's just that human beings are the only creature that is made in God's image. That's that, right. That holds the, yeah. this image of God. Yeah. Uh, and and we're like supposed to to be those who you know. I had a ch- uh, conversation with a pro-choice lady yesterday, and she talked about. I'm not sure that human beings are, are more valued more than other animals. Right. I said, well, what other creature on the face of the planet has been given a charge to take care of the planet? Like, mm-hmm. you don't see whales going and taking care of <laughs> the planet, making sure we recycle, you know? Right. right? Because they're the ones that we're taking care of. Like, we're sort of this, this, uh, this, as the Bible says, this ruler under God mm-hmm. over the creation. Right. Be right. Fu- fruitful, multiply, Subdue the earth and fill it. We're supposed mm-hmm. to subdue or have authority over the earth. Yeah. And we're given the charge to take care of the planet. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And we're given charge to take care of it. We're, we're not there to trample it and destroy yeah. it. We, we, love, we love the whales. I love the whales. Yeah. I want to hug them, right? <laughs> <laughs> but human beings are a special part of God's creation. There's absolutely no doubt about it. He tells us that, that yeah. we alone are made in his image. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and in terms of that, it's none of your business. I think I may have already said this first, but I'll say it again because it's such an important one. Proverbs 24, 12. If you say... But we knew nothing about this. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay everyone according to what they have done? We can't say we don't know what abortion is. We can't say anymore. Like they could actually when abortion was legalized um, or made the law of the land through the Supreme Court decision. Um, they didn't have the ultrasounds that we have now. They really didn't have the the, the depth of understanding yeah. of, of what that baby was and how well developed that baby was at such an early age. But we do. We see it. Not only do we have God's word that says that baby is valuable from the moment of conception, but we have windows into the womb, and we see that child, and we know the devastation of abortion. And so much of um, the aftermath of abortion is buried and covered yeah. up, and, and we're told that we're lying all the time when we cite any of the research that um, talks of any negative after effects of yeah. abortion. But we do know the truth. And for us to do nothing about it, according to this verse and many, God will hold us to account. Yeah. We are not. We can't can't, turn a blind eye. We cannot turn a blind eye. Exactly. Okay. Let's do our fifth one. All right. Bringing up the rear here. All right. This is our last one. Why should more unwanted children come into the world? It is irresponsible. 
Go help the babies who are already born, and of course, lately. And what about those babies on the yeah, border? Yeah, what about those children at the border who are put in cages and, and that sort right. of thing? Again, of course, that implies that Christians aren't doing something yeah, about that. Yeah, that's a big presupposition, yeah. you know, the, the, isn't it? Right, yeah, and the yeah. thing, you know, I hear a lot of times, well, why don't you adopt some of these children out of foster care? And it's mm-hmm. like, well, if you look at the statistics of people that are doing that, mm-hmm. it's Christians. Mm-hmm. It's the overwhelming majority of people who are in the foster care system who are, you know, not in the foster care system, like part of it, but right. getting but children out of the, the foster care are Christians yeah. who are making the sacrifices and doing the things that are necessary to foster these children. People who are going down to the border and, and, and meeting the needs there with these people who are coming across the border are overwhelmingly Christians, yeah. right? Going and meeting yeah. the needs, bringing practical aids, Samaritan's Purse, um, other ministries that are there are, are, you know, are there because of the Christian values that we hold. Right. And you know this is this is a, like all these things just a red herring, mm-hmm. right? If you mm-hmm. if you really value, you know, I'll say to pro-abortion people, you know, they say if you really value, I told one of the ladies the other day, um, she said, you know, if you really value lives of children, why don't you get down to the border? Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, why aren't you there? <laughs> exactly. And I said, you know what? If you really think women, we'll get you a bus you, ticket. You, should, yeah, exactly. you just give us the word. Well, I said, well, you know, if you think that a, the oppression of women is what's going on here from us, we're oppressing these women, harassing them. And you think that the issue of women's oppression is bad, and I do too. Mm-hmm. But if you really feel that strongly about it, then go to Saudi Arabia where women sure. can't even drive a car. Sure. Right? I'm being silly about sure. it, but, yeah. but you know, seriously, it's like yeah. if you if you really think this is a big thing, you put your money where your mouth is. You're telling me to put my money where my mouth is, and actually, there are churches all over Charlotte who are Bible preaching churches who are the ones that are going out and reaching out, and who we get volunteers from. Right. Who are the people that are sending aid? To these these people on the border who are helping out families with foster care, I think we have within our ministry uh, three families that come to mind immediately that are foster care right now. Like they're they're yeah. fostering kids. Yeah. So exactly. it's like you know exactly. it's, 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 it's so the presupposition is wrong, and in, in the they're accusing something without even knowing yeah, that, are, yeah. uh, whether we that are we or whether yeah. anyone is. But um, but but the the other part of that is um, because we are concerned with the unborn and and we're we're speaking out against abortion. Somehow that's not valid unless we are speaking out against. All injustice, yeah, sure, and and every every terrible thing that yeah. that afflicts humanity, and you know they they wouldn't make that same um, argument if if I was giving to the cancer society. They wouldn't say, well, you can't give to the cancer society. Why aren't why aren't you giving to the heart um, society or whatever that one's called, yeah. um, uh, or the diabetes society or fighting kidney disease? Yeah, no, that's ludicrous. Yeah, it's the, like is, is, is this idea of this if you're not doing everything. That you don't have a right to do anything. That's right. Which is absurd. All all it is, again, it's like, if you don't embrace my convictions, then you're not actually carrying through your convictions. It's like, what are you saying there? What are your convictions? And the reality is that if you look at, you know, a lot of the pro-choice people, at least that I interact with, and they say, you should be doing this. I'm like, well, are you doing that? (laughs) Like, lead the way. You know, start an organization that helps kids at the border. Lead the way, mm-hmm. and you know, but I'm telling you, who's leading the way is actually Christians. It's Christians, exactly. <laughs> and Christians who believe that life begins at conception. That's right. <laughs> the overwhelming majority of people who are at the border are people that would would identify uh, with us. Yeah. Religiously. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's true. And and in that question in number five, why should more unwanted children? You know, unwanted children. Aren't there more people lining up? for adoption, desiring deeply 
to adopt a child yeah. than there are babies to adopt. Yeah. And it's out of their, you know, it's so prohibitively expensive for them to do that. So there, someone wants these children. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, there are, I don't think there is any such thing as unwanted children. Right. Um, I mean, according to what we see in, in the Word of God. Sure. It's like, okay, every child is formed in the womb by the hand of God. Yeah. God had a, had a plan for those children. And uh, they're not unwanted by him. Right. And just because we have a, as a society have rejected yeah. uh, the truth of God's word, that God that children are a blessing from the Lord, doesn't mean that God somehow abandons that truth. Yeah. Right. And as a church, we're supposed to uphold that truth. Yeah. Children are a blessing from yeah. the Lord. And and of value. And um, you know, Matthew ten twenty nine to thirty one uh, about two sparrows sold for a penny. Yet not one of them falls to the ground outside your father's care. Even the very heads of your head are all numbered. Well, that's true of you, me, and and every unborn baby, that every one of us, every human life is of sacred value before God. And I think um, what we've we've kind of pointed out in, in all of these issues is is that is what is the um, the underlying theme in our in our pro life counter to every argument presented to us is bottom line are human beings of value and um are we called upon to protect innocent human life and um to protect all human life is all human life sacred yeah uh before god and we would answer yes yeah the, uh, unborn and the born yeah absolutely so. Yeah. Well, you know, to wrap that up, I hope this was a blessing to those uh, who joined in. And uh, we'll maybe do another podcast similar to this where we talk about other pro-choice arguments and, and try to talk through those. I hope this yeah. is a blessing and helps you to, you know, it helps to provoke thought. You know, I think we need to think certainly rationally. Mm-hmm. And because of that, we think biblically because biblically, God's word is very rational it and it gives us some rational progressions of thought mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to encourage you um, to, to go. We have a website that we've established nationally for people who want to get involved with sidewalk counseling and get equipped and get trained, and that's sidewalksforlife.com. It's sidewalks at number four mm-hmm. and life.com. And that has some training and equipping stuff on there to train and equip you to be an effective sidewalk counselor. And uh, there's some videos on there. There's some articles. We're putting content out there on a regular basis to encourage people in sidewalk counseling. Locally, our ministry website is charlotte.citiesforlife.org. You can connect with me. Uh, my uh, email address is dparks at citiesforlife.com and Vicki is vcasiorg at citiesforlife.com so you mm-hmm. can connect with her. We'd like to hear some ideas that you have, maybe some subjects you'd like for us to cover, some pro-life subjects in light of the gospel. Mm-hmm. We're going to continue to put podcasts out there. We encourage you to share this podcast with other people. Leave a review. Mm-hmm. Um, shoot me an email. Let me know how we can improve this thing. We want to. We want to be a blessing. This is not just for us to promote ourselves, to promote our ministry. Mm-hmm. This is to encourage the body of Christ to uh, to approach the issue of abortion in light of the gospel, because the gospel is the solution to the problem of abortion, That's just right. like every other ill of society. That's right. The gospel is a solution. So, be blessed and uh, and and share this this podcast with your friends and family. Use me, Lord, oh, use me, Lord. Give me, give me an outlet for love. Give me an outlet for gratitude. I know it will cost me my life. 
nothing's too 